The Click owns this business. Coming down the aisle, Bimbo, Jimbo, baby, Huey. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Give me a hell yeah. Today, woo, I've got the stop and profile like never before. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of In The Click. I'm Baby Huey, and joining me once again, my tag team partner for this week, my partner in crime, and I like to say this as well, my enforcer, Philip from the Bulletcast. What's up, Philip? Baby Huey, how you doing? Another glorious week of wrestling. I'm doing fine. The Messiah is watching some old school WCW, stunning Steve Austin versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat for the U.S. title. But that title doesn't matter. This one does. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, that's... The, it's the Bullet Cast title, the number one title in pro- podcasting. Dude, I am super jealous that you have a title like that. I, I want a title. Hey, man, you want to be the top dog, you got you to carry the strap. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so please, for uh, for the In The Click listeners who don't know specifically – uh, about that title, can you explain like its origin and, and it's like its purpose on your show, The Bullet Cast? Oh well, it's simple, man. I mean, this this is actually the third incarnation of the title. <laughs> what? Third incarnation? Yes. yes. Uh, the first one was a, like a little foam title with like <laughs> side plates that go on a motorcycle. I think <laughs> I got it from my buddy's stepdad. He just gave it to me with some old stuff, and I'm like. All right, we're going to have a title. So the purpose of the title, okay. we do predictions for pay-per-views, Brandon and myself and yes. Mitch Mitchell when he was around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whoever got the most predictions right, they were the champion. Brandon, the first ever Bullet Cast champion. That was in 2018. And then I had to give that one back, but I got it back. And so in the meantime, Brandon had like a foam big gold belt. So he, he glued like a, a – the California flag, the Canadian flag, and <laughs> microphone symbols, and the Bullet Cast, the old Bullet Cast logo, on that, and uh, yeah, so that was the title for a little bit. Then I'm like, I became the champion, and I'm like, I want an actual championship, dude. Like, <laughs> so let me let me see what's uh, like what's actually cheap or whatever. Okay. And this is actually the same company that makes East Bay Pro that makes their belts. Oh, nice. Yeah, so this is about 175 dollars. It was a little, little cheap ski. Nice. A little cheap, little, little cheap ski boy. It's it's a mirror. <laughs> well, hey man, it's cool. That's I like the look of it. It's very sleek the, and shiny. And got the red leather background. It's kind of the shape of the old IC title, like the, yeah. the Savage and Razor one. So the side plates, you have a microphone because we are a podcast, a two sweet Bullet Club. Yeah. Uh, the Canadian flag because I I'm from Canada now, and uh, Brandon <laughs> hates Canada because they boot Bailey once. <laughs> California flag was for Mitchell because he was the California kid, but we we know we live in Cali, so it just makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is the old Bullet Cast title. Okay. The old logo, the old logo, I'm sorry. Gotcha. But yeah, man, you know, Brandon's been an eight-time champ. I'm currently an eight-time champ as well. <laughs> I I won it uh, at the Rumble of this year. Won it back for an eighth time and uh, 167 days. Wow, so pretty soon you catch up to maybe – like John Cena, or Ric Flair, or maybe R-Truth status. 
Possibly, dude. I, I do keep track of how many days people have held it and stuff like that. Other than Brandon and myself, Mitchell's been the champion, and then uh, Mex Mendoza when he, when he was on the show, he yeah. held it once. So hey, if you ever want to get in, man, Extreme Rules, I'm putting this bad boy on the line. You oh. can fight Brandon and I. I am very tempted. I've never had a title of my own before, so actually, maybe I should get one. Maybe like an in the click one or something. Yeah, uh, hit up a West Coast Design. He's making belts for everybody right now, dude. Oh, is that who's who made it? Oh no, 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 no. He's oh, okay. like you've seen his belt at his show. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. His exactly. custom one. His is actually nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yours is nice too, man. So I, I know this for people listening right now. The audio of this, I. Which, by the way, I, I eventually I want to start doing video version of in the click. So maybe down the road, um, get some new equipment going. I would love to start doing like video version of this podcast, but this is the audio version. So yeah, I, uh, Philip and I can see uh, each other right now via Skype, and I can see the belt. So uh, if you are listening right now, you want to see what the belt looks like, Philip? Do you have it posted on your guys's like social handles and stuff? Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll post a brand new one. Yeah. I'll post a new photo of the belt, and people will be able to see it. But I am, when I get the money together, I'm going to have a new championship made with our current logo. Nice. Okay. And then retire that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that. That's going to be – because we've had this for two years now, believe it or not. That's cool. Yeah, and that, that's going to be the official title for the remainder of this show's existence. Unless you change the logo again. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm very I'm very happy with our current logo. Shout out to the homie in Brightest Day X. Guys, he does work for me. Yeah. Uh Brandon's other show, Curveballs and Chair Shots. Yeah. So yeah, man. Check out check out the homie. I mean, he does great work. Absolutely. Awesome. And so what's uh, the bullet cast social handles again, just to give a little uh preview where they can go find a, a photos of your current title. Uh so Instagram's probably our most uh socially active one. Uh the Bullet Cast on Instagram and cool. Bullet Cast on Twitter at Bulletcast. Like I said, we have Facebook, not really not really uh, too too familiar on the, not not familiar, but we just don't use it as much. I like to tag it personally myself. Oh, thank thank you, man. You're the only one. I don't I even <laughs> But and then of course follow the Bulletcast, subscribe to to their podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you can get uh podcasts these days. So listen to the Bulletcast. It's uh, a lot of fun stuff that you guys do. I said love your work. And uh, uh, speaking of social handles, please follow In The Click, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at In The Click. Also, subscribe to In The Click on YouTube. We got a lot of uh, uh, segments posted there from the last couple weeks, and uh, uh, I've been trying to mix things up with the more graphics and stuff as well. So please check that out. And of course, subscribe to In The Click on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere, all the major platforms you listen to uh, podcasts these days. So yeah, Philip, a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, once again, you and I will focus specifically on AEW-related stuff. Another busy week for them. It was uh, week two, or night two, I should say, of their Fire Fest this past Wednesday night. But before we get into that review, let's talk about something that happened the day before. It was uh, on Tuesdays. AEW has their secondary show, AEW Dark, that's on YouTube. And for here in the Bay Area... It had a lot of hype surrounding that show. Um, if you follow in the click on social handles, pretty much, I think even you, your guys' social handles, all, all pro wrestling, West Coast Pro, like everyone was talking about it. Our boy, the Bay Area Zone, Will Hobbs made an appearance on AEW Dark. His, I guess you could say his debut for the promotion, wrestling on uh, AEW Dark, taking on a match against uh, Orange Cassidy. Also, 
for me personally, I was geeking out super hard because a friend of the show, uh, Brian Pillman Jr., he also made an appearance on AEW Dark as well, his first time wrestling for AEW, which raised a lot of questions about his status with MLW and just what he's doing with uh, his career right now. But before we get into that, Philip, first things first, what was your reaction seeing uh, our boy Will Hobbs wrestling in AEW? Dude, I was so happy. I mean, they announced it a few days before, and I, yeah. I, I put it over before it even happened. And then you see the match, and hey, look, it's like Marcus Max said, the owner of all pro wrestling. Moments are more important than minutes, and yes. that's true. It was a huge opportunity for him, and Cody has ties to APW. You know, given the um, the couple of matches he wrestled mm-hmm. uh, for the promotion out here, so you know that was awesome to see a Bay Area homegrown talent get his opportunity to shine on that big of a stage. It, it really was. I've been a fan of his since he was Will Rude wrestling in the old APW garage here in Hayward, man. Nice. When, he had the blue, when he had the blue mohawk. Yeah. So, you know, every time I'm at a show and he's there, we chop it up for a little bit. He's just such a good dude, man. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, he's definitely someone. I mean, of course, he's a Bay Area guy and he pays his dues and works his ass off here in the Bay Area wrestling for multiple promotions, but mostly with APW and he's even more recently with West Coast Pro Wrestling, but he, I know he makes appearances at other places as well. Um, <clears throat> but it, it was just cool like see someone who, who works their ass off here in Northern California get the opportunity to wrestle on that big of a platform for AEW, who a lot of people say is like, what, the second second largest company, most popular company in the world right now, or at least here in North America. So for him to get that opportunity, very happy. I, like you said, I, I with you was very excited for him at the opportunity. And I was just so happy for him because it's like, he's been paying his dues and working his ass off for a long time to get a shot like that. And so and see anyone do that. You can nothing you'd be, but be happy for them for that opportunity. So I would love to learn more about that. Maybe one of these days we can interview him, interview him. And I would love to learn just the whole process. Like how did he get contact? What was the, like the, the, the whole uh, setup process? Cause I'm really curious because right now, AW, like everyone else is going through this pandemic. So how did this work out? Did they told him to show up at a certain day and time and like, what was his travel situation like to get out there with the pandemic and stuff? And uh, we've seen him the last couple of weeks. He's been playing security for Britt Baker as well. So when we saw him initially there, we we're like, oh, that's cool. He's there on set for Dynamite. And it's like, OK, he's he's got his foot in the door. He's there on Dynamite being security for Britt Baker. What if this is going to lead to anything else? And sure enough, he also wrestled on AEW Dark. So. Uh, it was just a super awesome moment, and um, like like you said, uh, Marcus Mack put out there, uh, moments are greater than minutes, hashtag uh, willpower. So uh, for anyone who hasn't watched it yet, go to uh, AEW All Elite Wrestling's YouTube channel, subscribe to that, watch AEW Dark, and they also even uh, upload the match individually by itself. So if you just want to watch that, you can. Now, I know it was a very quick match. Uh, Will Hobbs playing the role of like a heel was kind of talking some S to Orange Cassidy. And then when the match started, he uh, came charging at Orange Cassidy, who ducked. Will ran to the corner, fell back, and then Orange Cassidy took the his what, elbow, elbow pad off and hit him with the flying forearm, like via Superman punch style. And I uh, got the one, two, three, which I know is a quick match. Some will say a squash, but 
listen, for Will, he went out there, did his job of helping give some momentum to Orange Cassidy, give him a big win before his match with Chris Jericho. So kudos for Will Hobbs for being a you know a, a, a wrestling professional, going out there and uh, doing the job to help get Orange Cassidy over before uh, night two of Fighter Fest. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was an opportunity. He took it. And, I mean, well, he seems like the the constant professional. So, I mean, like I said, you know, incredibly happy for him. And I can't wait to see uh, what else he does in AEW. But, I mean, being the the protector of the role models, pretty, that's a pretty sweet gig. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Even though, as we saw on Night 2 of Fighter Fest, uh, uh, Swole, who we thought was uh, 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 served papers not to show up into the to the uh, facility, she snuck her way in and tried to attack uh, Britt Baker through a paper and uh, into uh, Rebel's face, and her hand back hit uh, Britt Baker, and then Britt Baker was like, oh my god, oh my nose! And was screaming in pain, and Will started fanning her off with that big leaf. So I thought it was a very funny segment as well. So for Will, like I said, his foot's in the door. So I wonder, I would love to ask him if he's willing to talk about it, if this will lead to maybe more opportunities. I figure once you're on site and part of the program in some capacity, they have your contact info, and I'm sure it can lead to more opportunities. Yeah, no, absolutely, and you know, like I said, Cody has ties here in the Bay with APW, and I'm I'm sure they they've had conversations in the back during those shows, and I'm sure they're continuing to have conversations. And if TK likes what he sees, then he'll be back in the ring there. Yeah, and also, yeah, and also you think about it, AEW has signed a lot of big men lately, big, you know, either tall or very muscular, big guys, beefy guys, and so Will Hobbs fits that model right now, and so I wonder maybe that's what they're kind of looking for, maybe. Hopefully, Will Hobbs can get opportunity to kind of be the next big guy that they get and that they can use him for for whatever they need for him. But uh, like I said, his foot's in the door, and I would love to see more from him. So I don't know uh, what's what's next for them. I know AEW, remember a few months ago, they were doing some shows out in Atlanta at that one like training facility. And because not all the AEW roster can make it because of the pandemic at the time, they were using a lot of in-house local wrestlers to uh, be part of many of the matches there. And I think Cody did on one of his conference calls said that they did sign some of those wrestlers from that training school. They'd be part of the AEW roster. So with that being said, I would like to think, and I, I'll be honest, I don't watch a lot of AEW dark to begin with, but um, I just imagine that if you're, on site there, you're in the mix of maybe being used as a, uh, there's, that's their way of scouting. But also think about it. So I watched AEW Dark for the first time really in full for, to see Will Hobbs. And I noticed they had a lot of other like upcoming young talent there. So I wonder if that's like their training ground to give a lot of these people some, you know, TV time, test the wires out and see, or maybe some young talents that they can maybe potentially sign long-term deals. This is all me speculating right now. But nonetheless, if Will Hobbs was there... Uh, I wonder if they're open to signing more people. So they signed some people from Atlanta to be part of the promotion. So I wonder maybe some of the people that have been showing up on AEW Dark recently can also be potential new signees down the road. My fingers are crossed if that's the case, and maybe Will Hobbs can be part of the the uh, extended roster for them. That'd be so cool. 
Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he could be using like a battle royal or something, or yeah. a challenge challenge Cody for the TNT title. What I want to see, what I want to see is him versus Brody Lee because the last couple matches that Will Hobbs has had, he's starting to use a, a clothesline or a lariat to finish it. Yeah, Brody Lee does a discus lariat. Oh, now, uh, Will Hobbs, he's not like Stan Hansen. He can't see up close. He's not just going to throw it. I mean, he'll <laughs> throw it, but he's, he has like a little running start. Yeah, kinda yeah. Like, kind of like a la JBL, man. So I, I think that'd be dope. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. A little battle of the lariats. The modern it, day lariat thrower who's the best. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that'd be interesting. But yeah, I, like I said, for Will Hobbs, it, I, I could just hope that he gets more opportunities with them. And hopefully, yeah, maybe lead to him signing with them in some capacity. And uh, some long-term deal for him. He deserves He's been putting the work in. So it'd be really cool. And then uh, I mentioned earlier, also, Brian Pillman Jr. showed up. And I know he's been appearing. He, he's been there backstage for some events in the past. And people notice him. Uh, I think it was a recent episode of Dynamite or Fighter Fest Night 1. He was there in the crowd. So a lot of people are like, oh, what's he doing there? He's an MLW guy. And he also, I think, appeared at, was it All In? Or all out. I can't remember which one. Uh, may- maybe it was all out. But he appeared, I think, in their battle royal back when his hair was really bleached blonde and he had the mullet going. He still has the mullet, yeah, but yeah. it was bleached out back then. So it was also announced that he was going to wrestle on AEW Dark, taking on Sean Spears. And a lot of people were like, whoa, wait a sec. He's signed with MLW. How is he there? And I guess the day before an interview came out and he was kind of talking. I want to say vaguely, but he was kind of saying like he really enjoyed his time in MLW. He wishes them nothing but the best and he hopes to work with them again. Like I'm just paraphrasing here. Uh, you can look up the quotes online. If it was, I think with wrestle talk or something where he did this interview. And so he's no longer with the company. Well, so here's the thing. A lot of people from that interview were like thinking, is he done with MLW? And me personally, I'm a little bummed out. I love MLW and I love what he's been doing with them. I, I, I really see him as one of like the the main guys that that company can grow with as far as a core roster. But then uh, the, it, uh, MLW quickly released a press release that was, I think, within the next day or so. And one of their upper management guys says that uh, pretty much Brian asked for permission and they gave him permission to make the appearance with AEW. So because MLW to their credit they're not doing any shows right now because of the pandemic they've they've been very upfront saying the health of their wrestlers are very important so they don't feel comfortable putting on shows right now risking them possible exposure to uh to the to to the coronavirus and whatnot so like I said to MLW's credit they're not doing any shows so because of that a lot of their wrestlers are just sitting at home not working so I'm sure Brian Pillman, since he's known people at AEW, he probably was asked to be part of the show. And so with that being said, since he's under contract, oh, that's the thing. They did say he is still under contract with MLW. So I'm sure he went to ask for permission. They gave him permission to premiere, uh, to appear at AEW. They put him on dark. But they said, however, since he's still under contract, he's still required to show up to their shows. And it looks like this fall is the tentative uh, scheduling that they're going to try to put on some shows again. And with that being said, they said Pillman is required to be there. So I think for right now, as long as Pillman's getting some work with AEW and it's kind of cool. It sounds like MLW and AEW has like a nice friendly working relationship going right now. So with that being said, maybe that can lead to some cool things down the road. So, but that kind of explains what Pillman's doing. It's just him working right now uh, during his off time away from MLW. And that's cool. 
that he got to work with uh, AEW and AEW Dark specifically. Even though he lost to Sean Spears, I was a little bit bummed. I was hoping that he was going to maybe pull out a victory or something. But for me, I would love for him to stay with MLW long term. But listen, at the end of the day, he's in charge of his own career and what he wants to do and what he feels is the best situation for him. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe down the road he tries to maybe move on up to AEW. Is that something you would love to see from him? I mean, yeah. I mean, I would love to see him there. You look at it. His dad wrestled in the first ever match on Nitro on TNT. Yeah. Against Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah. It it just makes sense for him to be there. Yeah. TNT and all, all that stuff. Kind of like how, you know, Dusty, Time Warner, Ted Turner, Cody – the same deal. It just, it just, it's all poetic in, in a sense, and it just makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely you know, it's very cool seeing like these second and gen- second and third generation wrestlers appear on AEW and then appearing on TNT that way. Absolutely, and I don't know if WWE still has the trademark to this because they acquired WCW, but Hollywood Blondes 2.0. Mm. With you, you, you have to think who who who's there. You know, Ooh, I, I wonder I who could that be. Who could be his tag yeah, team? Adam well, Page. Okay. There we go. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say he's a friend of the show. I, I just interviewed him within the last couple months. And I even asked him in the interview, was like, because he's currently in the Hart Foundation with Davey Boy Smith Jr. And it's kind of cool that Brian Pillman Jr. and Davey Boy Smith Jr. are this new incarnation at the Hart Foundation, just like their dads were back in the 90s. And so I asked him, are you guys open to adding more members? And he says they would love to, but he said ultimately Davy Boy Smith Jr. makes the final call on that and who they want to add. So it'd be interesting. Uh, what's next for the Hart Foundation? If hypothetically Brian Pillman eventually leaves, let's say, and goes to AEW, does Davy Boy Smith recruit new members? How that move forward? So I don't know, but that's yet to be seen. But it was still very cool to see Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, get this exposure and I, I expect big things out of him. So it's uh, I'm looking forward to see if he can get some more matches with AEW. And of course I would love to see him get back in MLW as well. So he's still very young and I'm sure he just wants to get out there and wrestle as much as he can. And so, yeah. yeah are, aren't he, yeah. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Aren't he and Davey boy, aren't they the MLW tag champs? Uh, they were uh, the Von Erics are current champions right now. Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. With that being said, so that was AEW Dark. So go watch both matches. Uh, Will Hobbs, Brian Pillman Jr., and just watch the episode as well. AEW Dark every Tuesday on their YouTube channel. And so yeah, Philip, let's jump ahead to night number two of Fighter Fest this week. And uh, like we always do with our quote, like pay per view reviews. I mean, even though this is not necessarily a pay per view per se, like on the weekend, it's just. Uh, pretty much like an elevated version of AEW Dynamite. So we'll start with our initial reactions, then we'll go through the card, and then uh, talk about some takeaways from the actual show. So, Philip, just starting out, what was your initial thoughts on just AEW Fighter Fest night number two? Um, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I love AEW to death. There was only one thing I cared about watching. It was uh, Le Champion <laughs> versus Blood Orange Cassidy. <laughs> but just... Uh, Thoughts about maybe any other parts of the night as well? Well, here's the thing. When they uh, they announced, uh, was it Murderhawk versus uh, Joey Geneva? I'm like, do I really want to see that? They over-delivered in my opinion, and I I really enjoyed that. Cool. His, uh, I don't know what his 
finishers called, but it's like, a la Razor's Edge of Jace. He throws him over. <laughs> and the, the ta- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the table bump that uh, Janela, Janela, whatever you want to call him, took. <laughs> I, I thought that I thought that was good. I'm like, okay, they they over delivered. I didn't expect this to. I didn't expect to enjoy it, but I did. And I, I like that. Yeah. So here's my thing: is uh, I I I enjoyed the show overall. Once again, I really thought they went all out to deliver just a, a very stellar pay per view quality show again. Uh, my my personal reaction was I very very much felt like the first hour once again was more heavily booked or was maybe a little more. Uh, entertaining, I guess maybe is one way, way of saying it. I thought the second hour was a little more flat compared to the first hour. And I don't know why. I I wonder, okay, because we know, listen, NXT had their version of counter-programming with uh, night number two of the Great American Bash. And listen, I think a lot of people were hyped up for the main event for NXT Great American Bash night number two of champion versus champion, Keith Lee versus Adam Cole, Bebe. So, I'm sure it was anticipated that a lot of people were probably going to tune in for that match specifically. So I wonder if AEW, with that being said, maybe thought let's 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 really uh, stacked up the first hour of the show, really trying to get people to tune in and hopefully win them over that way that they want to tune in for the whole show. So I really thought, yeah, they just stacked up the first hour of the show, and also listen, I, I think. We know John Moxley and Brian Cage, which originally was supposed to happen night number two of Fighter Fest, unfortunately got pushed back one week. So they probably thought, okay, our original main event is not going to happen. So let's just front load the first hour with everything, and then we'll figure out the second hour as we go. So I, I, I like I said, I just I really enjoyed the first hour. I thought the second hour kind of uh, came down a little bit. Maybe the crowd was just so. Uh, uh, exhausted after that eight man tag, as we'll get into, but th- that's just my initial reaction. So let's go ahead and just go down the card. And so the first match of the night was the AEW Tag Team Champions Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page taking on Private Party, who are joined by once again Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega and Adam Page got the win here and retained the Tag Team Champions. So uh, Phillips, just thoughts on this match itself? On yet. Uh- I looked at it, I thought it was fine. As I've said in the past, I think private party is kind of a spot festy, but um, if I keep going like that, I might sound like a good old Jim, James Cornette there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, I thought it was fine. I, I say this all the time, but I thought all four men did very good business. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when are when are when are, when are, when are Kenny and Hangman gonna, gonna gonna break up? That's that's what I want to know. Yeah, and, and that's I'm with you. I feel like lately, anytime I watch a Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page match, I'm I realize I'm getting more distracted by their little constant beef with one each other, with one another, and I'm curious where this is going to lead to. So I hate to say that, like I, it kind of distracts me from maybe enjoying their actual title reign, and I'm just more waiting and anticipating their eventual breakup. So for this match itself, I enjoyed it. I, I Kenny Omega, Hangman Page obviously worked together very well, doing a lot of spots together, take out members of the private party. And private party, I mean, God, for so young, they're so athletic. And they throw a lot of big spots out there. And so I could see how it, it, it's, it's almost very choreographed in that way. You know what I mean? So I, I could see how 
that can get kind of distracting as well. That, that these matches are, you know, it's one big spot after another, and it, it doesn't seem a little bit as believable. But anyway, so for this match itself, like I, I, I didn't really anticipate Private Party getting the win here, just because I think long term Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. When they eventually do lose the titles, I'm curious that will eventually cause the breakup. But yeah, I, I guess yeah, let's get into that right now. So people are anticipating that they're eventually going to break up. How would you go about that, though? A little fantasy booking here. What would be the right way of maybe leading into this eventual breakup? Well, I mean, I think I said this last week on Night One Recap. But uh, I, I think, you, you know somebody accidentally hit somebody and that cost them the championships. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of Santana and Ortiz beating those guys for the titles. Cause they haven't really done a whole lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, I think the bucks and FTR will be intertwined with each other for a little bit. And then there are two ways you can go about this. I mean, you could turn Hangman heel. Sure. Turn mm-hmm. Kenny heel. Yeah. Let's let's see the cleaner that that kicked AJ out of Bullet Club. Let's <laughs> let's see that guy change the theme music because I don't think that really works for a, a heel. And just like let him let him put back on that black trench trench coat and those sinister shades. Get the chrome hair going back. Like let's let's see the guy that that put New Japan on the map a couple years ago. So actually, okay, here let's let's do a little backtrack real quick. So remind me, where did this whole beef between? Adam Page and Kenny Omega or specifically the elite start from because I feel like this has been going on for a while now that I kind of actually forgot where this initial like 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 uh tension started between everyone like I don't watch I, being I, the elite well, regularly so I don't know if that's it, yeah, it started there yeah I stopped I stopped watching it there too. It probably did, but you know, Hangman lost to Jericho. We lost the world title uh, match, and he was kind of just down on himself. And then uh, I don't, I don't even remember how he and Kenny got together. But I know yeah. his stuff. Yeah, I don't remember, but I know his stuff with uh, the Bucks. Um, you know, they were like, "You were a jobber in Ring of Honor. We made you a star," and all that other yeah. stuff. So there's that. There's that. And then uh, you know, Kenny and the Bucks are very close, and. You know, so I, I guess that's how the dissension with Kenny is there, I guess. And so th- I'm with you. So I, I kind of wish AEW would do a better job of maybe kind of reminding a little bit of that storytelling of why these guys are got this tension between the two going on. Maybe like do some little flashback videos. I don't know. I, I just some these video packages just help remind us what's been going on. And that's the thing. It's been going on for a long time. And I'm with you. I like I like long-term storytelling if done right. But I feel like, I hate to say it, but I feel like this, this constant back and forth, are they on the same page or are they not? It's getting a tad stale. So I, I'm at the point where it's like, you know, come on, let's make a move here, make a decision, have one turn on the other. I initially I thought maybe Hangman Page is going to be the one to turn on Kenny, but yeah, as you brought up, it'd be a little bit more interesting maybe if Kenny Omega was the one to turn on Hangman, make Hangman like a strong baby face, and then yeah, have Kenny go back to his uh, heel ways like he was in New Japan, and I think that could be a really fun way for him to kind of really set off his singles run. And that's something you and I are talking off the air a little bit. A lot of people were being very critical of AEW right now, as far as Kenny Omega 
the way he's been being booked this first year of existence of AEW. So what are your thoughts of just Kenny Omega and how he's been being portrayed on TV since AEW's launch? Um, well, you know, I, I saw something on Twitter earlier today that actually relates to this. Uh-huh. It was uh, people feared Kenny going to New Japan or no, Kenny going to WWE. He wouldn't be used properly. That's what's happening now on your precious AEW. Wake up. And <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I mean, but I think what Kenny said, he's trying to build other stars in the tag division. That's fine. But I've been very, very vocal that his whole career trajectory is Wrestle Kingdom 11 to Wrestle Kingdom 13, 2017 to 2019. Yeah. That whole thing, like yeah. we talked about off air, uh, stuff with Cody, the Golden Lovers, winning the title, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it hasn't been the best. But hey, you know, this keeps him out of the singles uh the singles uh, act and, you know, other people have been able to shine like Jericho did this stuff with the title. Now Mox has it. And you have guys getting shots like Jungle Boy and Scorpio Sky. Now uh, Brian Cage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I, I, I've been kind of reading like comments on Twitter and stuff. And it sounds like I guess some people, they want to see AEW develop more non WWE guys as their top guys. And looking back on it, remember, like Kenny Omega was one of their big first signees uh, as a company. I think it was the well, actually I take that back. So Jericho, Britt Baker and a bunch of people were their first like a big announcement back in January 2019. And then the second like, he was big, announced in, in May. Las, yeah, Las yeah. Vegas. right? Early May. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to look at it like you could say WWE, former WWE guys draw more money. Yeah, because of where they were. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a possibility. Um, but, but, but here, like Kenny, Kenny, like he, he, does he have star potential? Absolutely. I mean, you 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 look at how many U.S. fans became fans of Japanese wrestling because of the guy. Absolutely. But so, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm with you as far as like Kenny Omega really got put on the map from that like easily that three year window. Of like back to back to back, like amazing Wrestle Kingdom matches between Okada, Chris Jericho, Okada again, of him like winning the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And the buzz those matches got was what helped get him more attention over here in, in America again. And he became arguably the best wrestler in the world. And so many fans became a fan of him because not only was he like a member of the Bullet Club, but then his slow break off from the Bullet Club, Bullet Club, you know, with his rivalry at the time with Cody Rhodes and the Civil War they had going on, and and then being the elite and all the elite guys started getting more attention. So it's been like a three year process of him getting more love over here, and he became, as I said, like the best wrestler in the world. And so a lot of people were anticipating that was going to continue when he came over to AEW and a lot of people I think are a little frustrated that it has not worked out that way in that first year he's been more you know he lost uh what was it double or nothing to Chris Jericho and Chris Jericho uh, oh no was that the number one contenders match yes I booed him I booed him <laughs> while I was in there and I loved it I loved everything about it so Jericho won the number one contendership match and took on Hangman Page and became the eventual champion at All Out. So Kenny Omega lost like that really first big match in AEW. And I think a lot of people think he just kind of fell down a little bit as far as star power. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he uh, he he had the little rivalry with Pac, and Pac won a couple of those. Yeah. And and they're like, oh, this isn't going so well. And then the the stuff with Moxley, and I still haven't seen the unsanctioned match, but I'm, I I think Moxley won, right? Yeah. So Kenny yeah. Omega has lost some of these big matches out of the gates as far as AEW's existence. And so I think a lot of people are like, where's this guy that we saw in New Japan that was supposed to be the best wrestler in the world? Where is he? Well, he's been doing some interviews recently and some other people have been speaking about it. So I guess, as you just mentioned, Kenny Omega, who he's also an EVP, along also along with being a wrestler, his goal this first year of AEW is to help bring out the tag team division. That's why you know him and Hangman are a tag team, and wants to help develop new stars for long term. And then that, that's smart. I respect that because when you're a new promotion, you want to help develop your roster so that you have long term success. That people give them a reason to tune in and stuff. But at the same time, I, I think and it's a catch twenty two for AEW because let's look at the initial when they got officially announced. The big names everyone was excited to see were all the guys in the elite. Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Heyman Page, Kenny Omega. And like, great, this is their promotion. But to their credit, they did not want to book themselves to be the first ever winners or champions in that promotion. Because you, it's a catch-22. Because if they book themselves to be the champions right away, then people are going to be like, oh my god, you start your own promotion just so you can be your, your own champions. But then if they book other people to win, then they're going to be like, Boo, we want to see you guys be the champion. We care about you guys, not these other people you're you're putting belts on. So it's a lose-lose situation. So to their credit, I'm glad that they're trying to get other people over first as far as their first ever champions in the promotion. But now that other people have had time to shine, I think it's time to kind of cycle through and start bringing up the elite again as like the top uh, roster guys, let them start winning some big matches and start getting some more championships out of the way. I don't know how about you feel about all that. Oh uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll add two more uh, singles competitors once Kenny and uh, Hangman do break up, and that way traditional tag teams will have opportunities at the championship, and uh, a traditional tag team is going to beat them for the title. We we just don't know who yet. Yes, yes. It's a, and that's the thing. Like I said, I, I I I imagine the game plan is probably this is all long term storytelling, long term booking. My goal is maybe okay for you and I. I think we both agree we like to see maybe Kenny Omega be the one to turn on Heyman Page, and we make Adam Page uh, a babyface, make Kenny Omega heel again. And I, I'm guessing they want to save that moment for maybe a crowd. So maybe that's why they've been holding off on it. Not necessarily they're. Uh, I guess they're trying to be patient, you know what I mean? As far as they want to save that, get that big pop from a crowd. And so unfortunately, because it's pandemic, they probably had to put that on hold. So maybe that's why they feel like they're overly stretching this, this storyline. And here we are trying to uh, back them up. Say, oh yeah, it's just long-term storytelling. But in reality, they're just trying to be patient and wait for this pandemic to lighten up. Yeah. Well, I think, I think they're, they're closer to having some people in yeah. attendance. Cause I, I saw, Today that uh what was it Mr. Anderson is doing a uh, a signing at a Walmart or something and there was some convention like today or yesterday in the Northeast mm. and you, obviously you had to wear masks and stuff but yeah 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 so like I, I think we are coming closer like do the do the whole drive-in wrestling thing that's dope <laughs> social distancing will be in effect and yeah. you'll have actual crowd noise so but yeah I mean long-term storytelling when it's done right a la the mega powers it was literally a year 
Yeah. And it was perfect. Yeah. So and and that's the thing. I think why us fans might might be a little bit impatient and think this is getting stale is because we're so used to WWE storytelling where it's like literally they tell a story that normally could take like a few months. They try to do it in three weeks before the next pay-per-view. So it's very quick turnaround of all these stories that they burn out through so fast. And we're so used to that by now. So with our short attention spans, when we see something like this play out on AEW, we're like, man, it's been two months. Like, where's this going? Hurry up and get this over with. So I, I, I try to remind myself and maybe for the rest of you out there listening, take a step back, be patient, let, I'm sure they, they got a long-term plan. Maybe they got like a bulletin board of maybe all the all the story points they want to hit, uh, hit on this. But yeah, I, I would like to see this come to a head at some point. Let the breakup happen. Let someone else be champions. And then, yeah, maybe Young Bucks and FTR and other people can get be in the title picture. Uh, to kind of wrap this whole thing up re- real quick. Uh, I mean, you, you look at the, the MJF Cody storyline. That was early early november when he turns on him yeah. and the match takes place late february mm-hmm. that's what december Jan- it's about like three and a half months mm-hmm. sure it's kind of like well, i mean this uh thing with them has been a little bit longer but the point is you weren't bored with that yeah you weren't so it, it, I, I know people are starting to get a little a, a little a little antsy a little a little yeah. bored maybe fight for the fall and we do something to kind of spice it up yeah like, like show like, oh, they, they're they turning on each other pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, get the ball rolling. So maybe, yeah, we'll wait and see how that goes. All right, so uh, match number two of the night was Lance, Ar- Lance Archer with uh, Jake the Snake Roberts in his corner and taking on Joey Janela with uh, his partner, Sonny Kiss, as of late, was out there. But unfortunately, uh, so, uh, Joey Janela comes out to the ring. Lance Archer comes out and is carrying Sonny Kiss on his shoulders as if he just beat beat him up backstage and brought out there. But uh, it was a hard-hitting match. And as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, just big spots one after another throughout the throughout the throughout uh, around the ring. But uh, yeah, kind of more of your thoughts, Philip, about this match? Uh, I, I, I think I've used them all. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I, I really wasn't expecting this to be interesting to me, but uh, they they delivered in my eyes, and I, they over-delivered in my eyes, and I really, really did enjoy this, you know? Shout out to the Murder Hawk, who I wasn't really fond of being uh, Jake Roberts' uh, um, guy that he's going to manage. I thought, yeah. oh, he's going to be Luke Harper. No? Okay, well, well. <laughs> and then, you know, um, Joey and Joey Janela, Joey Janela, as my boy Enzo calls him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he's more of the, the, the deathmatch guy and falling off of roofs through glass tables yeah. and stuff but um he i mean i've seen him actually wrestle at times and he can do that yeah so now he kind of like put it all together here took more high risk because he's working with a bigger guy yeah but uh, it all worked out in the end yeah i'm with you i, I really enjoy this match i think both guys went out there and laid their bodies on the line especially joey janela just as the smaller guy taking all the big bumps from lance archer even uh did the blackout he threw uh, lance archer through joey janela through a table outside, another big spot there. And um, for Lance Archer, I thought getting this win here is crucial just to kind of reestablish him as this big monster. When he first came to the company, he was just on this tear, winning match after match, destroying guys. And then he has a match with Cody. He did lose, and Cody became the first ever TNT champion. And Lance was off TV for a bit, which is okay, because I think, you know, let people miss him and get him off TV. And now I think this is the beginning of the rebuild process 
of him as a monster. Where that goes, who knows? I would love to see him maybe get into a program with another big-name uh, person on the roster. And maybe down the road, who knows? Maybe he can re- reignite that rivalry with Cody Rhodes. Maybe the one take the belt off him. Who knows? But I think right now, this is the beginning of the rebuild process to get Lance Archer over as the next next big monster again. Yeah, this was a very rare case where two guys are wrestling each other who both need to be rebuilt. Yeah. Uh, Joey Gian- Joey Janelli came off pretty hot in that uh match he had with Mox. Yeah, wasn't re- wasn't really seen from again. Yeah, and then uh the Murder Hawk he took a championship loss. I- I've had big losses in sports. I I, I understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I-, I-, I I understand that. So you know, just you got to go back to the well. All right, what what did I do here that? Uh, messed me up and what can I do differently to prevent uh, bigger losses like that in the future so that's what's happening here with uh, the murder hawk and he has probably one of the greatest minds in the history of the business and Jake Roberts mm-hmm. there to where when they're just like hanging out together I'm sure he's just picking his brain of like all right so if I'm in the ring what, what am I what do I do here and other stuff like that what I want to see I want to see him to start using the DDT bring it back Bring it, bring it back, man. As a finisher, and not just a transitional a, move. Yes, dude. Like the DDT. Like, I'll, shout out to Alexa Bliss who started using it and actually winning matches. Nobody's kicking out. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see. I mean, he's a big guy. Like he can, he can really just wrench on their head with that bicep and just drop them. Yeah, I, I I love the DDT. I know there's other variations of it out there. Uh, Moxley was using for a bit as Dean Ambrose. Uh, Finn Balor kind of does like his version where he kind of lifts them up more. Uh, but yeah, the way D, uh, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts used to deliver his DDT was just, it was just, he was snapping them. He would snap them quick and just shove their head in the ground. I love the way he did. It was so simple, but it just looked so ferocious. So yeah, if Lance Archer can bring that into his arsenal, I think that'd be awesome. Maybe a blackout into a DDT or vice versa. But with Joey Janelle, though, I was just going to say, yeah, I feel like he hasn't been on TV much lately, and maybe they can start rebuilding him. I'm not sure. Maybe him, Sonny Kiss, can maybe just be more of a tag team, and maybe they can get involved in the tag team division more. But yeah, Joey Janela, I'm just kind of curious, long-term, what's his ceiling with AEW? No offense to him, but you know, he's a smaller guy, but he also is kind of known for more of his hardcore background with all the big spots he's done. So I'm just kind of curious... Long term, where can he go in AEW, and what's his most, what's the word, uh, what's maybe like the most appropriate use for him long term? Uh, create a hardcore title and give it to him. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I really don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't, I haven't seen like him have like an actual run in any independent uh, promotion. I've just seen like matches from different promotions, so. Yeah. I really can't speak on it, but I mean, uh, he p- people seem to like the guy, so there, there's something that he can do. Yeah, yeah, I, I think obviously he was one of their first big signings, so he he's obviously friends with everyone there, and I'm sure they want to use him to the best of his abilities. So I'm just kind of curious, though, with all the newer signings that they've had, where can he go in the company? Like, where's his place in the actual card, and where can they use him for long term? So, you know. 
help putting over big guys like Lance Archer. I think that's great because he could take all these big moves. But yeah, I'm just curious long term, where is he going to go? And that's someone I'm going to pay attention to. Like you said, I don't know too much about him as well. And his background, I know he was big on the indie scene, did his own promotions and events. But yeah, I, I, that's someone I'm going to watch and see where he goes over the next six months and next year. So it'll be really interesting just to kind of keep an eye on what's how he's going to be used moving forward. And uh, so, yeah, the third match of the night, which uh, kind of was the crossover for the halfway point of the show, was uh, the eight-man tag, the Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Brothers taking on FTR and the Young Bugs. And, Philip, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what else to say other than, wow, this match was all over the place. <laughs> Um, Bleacher Report, they called it a glorified, a glorif- uh, glorified cluster, yeah. which, yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, you have um, the, I, I don't want to call them spot monkeys, but the guys that do a lot of the high spots in the Lucha Bros and the, and the Bucks. Uh, and then you have the uh, kind of the straight shooters with the Butcher and the Blade and then uh, FTR. So, I mean, But I think it all mixed well together. And then that Canadian destroyer spot to the outside. Yeah. I've never seen that before. That, that was cool. Crazy. Yeah, no, it it was it was a car wreck, but I think it was also in a good way as far as you could tell all eight guys just want to go out there and just lay their bodies on the line and just deliver a high energy match that really in not only is it uh night number 2 of Fighter Fest, but you know, there's the constant ratings war, the battle between them and NXT. So I'm sure for them they're like, "Listen, Let's go out there and just show why our tag team division is the best versus everyone else out there and like prove that all these guys are worthy of being future champions. And yeah, like the Butch and the Blade, I've become to like them a lot lately. I I, I like kind of their look. I kind of like when they're not wrestling, they're now in all white outfits now. But when they come to the ring, they still got like just their simple black boots, black trunks and black jackets and, and, uh, uh, I'm glad to see the Lucha Brothers back because they've been gone for a while. Pentagon, I believe, was stuck in Mexico. Phoenix was here, but then he got his back hurt. Was it the week before or the dynamite before uh, Double or Nothing? So he was out of the Casino Battle Royal Royale uh, ladder match. So I miss seeing those guys wrestle regularly. And for FT- FTR, this was their first big match, even though I was still a little confused why they're partnering with the Young Bucks. But I've also missing the Young Bucks too. So it was a mixture of, of of guys that we haven't seen in a minute and just some of the newer upcoming talent and signees. And for FT, FTR, it's it's just refreshing to see them now working with all these different tag teams. No, yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. It really is. Um, I'm just trying to – I'm just looking at it like uh, the Lucha Bros and the Butcher and the Blade, they got the win. Yeah. What, yeah. What's What's next? And that's the, and thing, that's the thing is, is FTR and the Young Bucks, they lose cleanly to the Lucha Brothers and the Butcher and the Blade. And so, yeah, what happens next for everyone involved here? I think everyone eventually wants to see FTR versus the Young Bucks. And that's the thing was, like, I'm still kind of shocked that they uh, work together. Even though FTR, I'm not sure, are they going to be heels? Are they going to be baby faces? They're kind of like in between right now. But I don't know, yeah, long-term, what's they're going to be their plans. And that's the thing. It kind of feels like there's not I'm, – I'm just kind of curious long-term where they're going to go with this. They look like they start planting the seeds a little bit as far as the when the finish happened where um, 
uh, who was it? I think it was Nick Jackson or one of them accidentally super kicked uh, one of the guys in FTR and then FTR got pinned. So it was like, okay, like one guy accidentally kicked the other team. So eventually this might lead to them like turning on each other, like pissed off, like you cost us this match. But then after the match, they're always shaking each other's hand. If FTR and Young Bucks were shaking each other's hands, like, wait, you guys accidentally kicked each other. We lost and now they're shaking hands. So it was kind of confusing in that sense. Like I was thinking more, maybe one of them reaches for a handshake and then they blow them off. Said, no, you cost us the match and walk out. They didn't do that. So I, I, I wonder how they're going to eventually lead to, a Young Bucks versus FTR match down the road. I mean, I, I, I said this when I was on the Rudos podcast yesterday. Um, look, man, all out is what early September. We're in. Yeah, yeah. Oh Jesus, we're in a we're in July, huh? Yeah, so yeah, less than two months. I I don't think we need any more tag teams stretching out. My idea was have those two guys wrestle at a. Have those two teams wrestle at all out and winner becomes number one contender to the tag titles. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, if you can figure out a nice schedule, let's get another tag team tournament going and you get FTR and uh, Young Bucks in the final. FT, whatever team goes over, goes over. Okay. And they take they take the titles off of uh, Kenny and uh, Hangman. Okay. So I can see that. So maybe, yeah, FTR versus Young Bucks for the number one contender match at all out. The winners take on. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, and then whoever, and then that tag team will then beat Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, and that leads to their eventual split as well. So, okay, I like that. I can go with that because that that could really set things up for the next like four months easily. So, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, I, I the little match with the I was confused by the ending of like like I would think that would plant the seeds for them turning on each other, but it did not. They were shaking hands. So still very confused. So yeah, still curious to see where the tag team division goes after this. Uh, next up, it was uh, announced that Nyla Rose was scheduled to appear and it actually was a handicap match. She took on a couple, uh, local talents. It looks like, and it was very much a quick squash match. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kylan King and Kinsey page. Yeah. So um, strong effort for both of them. They, they, they did their best <laughs> taking on the, the beast Nyla Rose. Absolutely. She announced that she's going to uh, have a, have a manager or something. Who do you uh, think it's going to be? That's, that's a good question. Who's free. <laughs> well, I, I was looking online and a lot of people are commenting thing. Oh, maybe it's gonna be Vicky Guerrero. Cause she's someone who's been hanging around, as part of AEW events as of late. And, you know, she does have history managing, being a commissioner. and That's true. She got Edge and Ziggler to the world title. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. Nyla Rose says she noticed all the champions in AEW, or a good portion of them, all have managers. Look at Cody with Arn Anderson. Uh, you also look at uh, 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 Taz. Oh, that's it. We forgot to talk about Taz. <laughs> so, bro. Oh, okay. Bro, when, we'll when, go, we'll when, go. when he re... <laughs> No, no, you go, you go, you go. No, I was just going to say, okay, so Nyla Rose said, you know, Taz, Brian Cage got a title from Taz, the FTW championship. So she's like, I need a manager to help me get back to the women's title scene. And she wants a manager to take out, um, uh, to win back the, the women's championship. So she says she won't reveal it right then and there. She'll eventually announce it. So we shall wait and see. I, I'm Like I said, I think it's probably going to be Vicky Guerrero. Unless it's someone else they have in mind, but yeah, but yeah. So go back to Taz. We've got to mention that. So they were teasing this that uh, Taz and Brian Cage were going to come out. Taz is going to have a major announcement. So they come out, and Taz is holding a bag, 
and he announced uh, he's bringing back the FTW championship, and he was giving it to Brian Cage. Uh, Philip, what are your thoughts on just that whole segment? Man, when he took out the FTW title, I was like, yo, this is what's up. Because if you listen to uh, you listen to Taz on the AEW podcast a few months ago, he talked about that, and I was like, no, nah, like I I legit defended that like it was the world title. I'm like, this is what's up, man. <laughs> it it was so unique for for uh, that time, but it, it really stood for every everything that he was about during that era of ECW when he was there, and for him to award it to Brian Cage, I, I love it. And people are like, oh, is it a real title for? It? No, no, it's like it's like Levi Shapiro. He's the wrestling with regret champion yeah. right but uh so that's that's kind of even though he doesn't actually defend it so that's that's basically what it is can you remind people in case maybe someone our younger listeners out there who didn't grow up around ecw era just explain what the ftw championship was or what it what was taz using it for i think i'm in that demographic i was like one <laughs> i was like one years old when this thing debuted <laughs> no so so basically it was like taz like he felt like he was the the, the rightful world champion uh, I may be getting this kind of wrong on some points, but you know, he felt like he was the champion. That's the gist of it. So he created the FTW Championship, the F the World World Title. You know, if, if I remember correctly, I think the storyline was I think Shane Douglas was avoiding him. Shane Douglas was the ECW champion and was avoiding him. And Taz thought like he should be the champion. Actually, here let me do a quick search about it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I think that's what it probably was. It was Shane Douglas. Oh, the franchise, and he was basically <laughs> he was like, let's let's stop denying the inevitable, and that's where that's where that championship comes from. Yeah, and it was you know it was different. It was the black and orange. You know that's what Taz made a career out of wearing, and it's not the there, there were a couple variations of the championship yeah. back in the day. Yeah, there was yeah. the there was the one that was kind of copying the winged eagle from WWE. Yeah, I'm looking at on Wikipedia had, right now. Yeah, and it had the black strap, and then there was the one with the orange strap. Yeah. Which I think he used that one more, but this one, I mean, it's it's cool, man. It's a black strap. I think it has an orange backing, and so I mean, I I, I like it. Yeah, it's okay. I'm looking at Wikipedia here. It says uh, the title was used to compensate for storylines that had to be dropped due to injuries. ECW World Heavyweight Champion Shane Douglas has serious sinus infection and an elbow injury, and Taz and Al Snow also missed their matches at WrestlePalooza '98 due to health problems. ECW owner Paul Heyman said the title suited Taz's badass, no-nonsense attitude. So, yeah, very much like, as you said, Levi Shapiro, wrestling regret champion. Uh, I, uh, very similar. To, it says on Wikipedia, million-dollar championship that uh, uh, Ted DiBiase had. So it was, it was these made-up belts to kind of represent something. So, yeah, because of Shane Douglas not taking on Taz, uh, Paul Heyman made the title for Taz to have. And, uh, and a lot of people were asking... Well, if WWE, WWE bought ECW, don't they own the rights to FTW? And Taz revealed that he owns the rights to the name. Like, that's his championship that he actually bought the the rights to. So he owns the name FTW champion or the championship. So that's why he's able to take it with him, the AEW. Sorry, I didn't even think about that, you know. I guess he uh, he kept renewing that trademark. <laughs> yeah, smart man. So so it's very cool. So he gave to Brian Cage just to symbolize that Brian Cage is a badass. And also, technically, John Moxley avoided or was not able to take him on on the initial night of their match, which was supposed to be this past week. And even though it got postponed one week. So anyway, it kind of plays into what 
the original storyline of FTW championship as far as Shane Douglas trying to stall from taking on Taz. So easily they're saying Moxley's avoiding Brian Cage. Yeah, see, that's continuity. That's what that's that's what that's what makes wrestling so great, guys. Yeah. WWE, it's not hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I just wonder, yeah, for next week they're not promoting it this way, but yeah, you know, technically it's champion versus champion, right? Yeah, it is champion versus champion. Moxley, survive <laughs> if you can, or no, beat him if you can. Survive if he lets you. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in for it. He won't win, obviously. I'm yeah, sorry, but. Yeah. Cage isn't winning, but this is a way for him to walk out. No, I'm still a champion. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He yeah. can hell if TK wants him to do it. He can defend it. Sure, why not? Yeah, so be, I'm curious. Yeah, will they become like a, a legit uh, another title that AEW uses for for matches and whatnot? I, I think just for Cage, and then whenever it runs its course, it'll it'll go away. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's what they're going to do with that. Yeah, they totally. So be interesting to see, but it's very cool. Just nostalgia as someone like myself who grew up in you know in the '90s with ECW to see the FTW Championship come back. I I popped hard for them. Like, oh my god, I haven't seen that belt in like 20 years. Like, oh my god, it's so cool to see it again. And uh, uh, jumping ahead, so uh, the fifth match of the night was the Dark Order: Brody Lee, Stu Grayson, and I guess their newest recruitment. Cole Cabana taking on SCU, but uh, uh, Dark Order and Cole Cabana got the win, defeating SCU, which I was not super shocked by. I think um, Dark Order, the storyline as of late is they're still trying to pursue Cole Cabana to join them, and with that being said, considering just the, the momentum that they've been having ever since Cole Cabana has been working with Dark Order, they've been he's been on a winning streak, and so I'm sure to keep that storyline moving along, I wasn't surprised to see them get the win here and SCU get the loss. So your thoughts on this match? Um, honestly, I don't really, I, I don't really re- remember a whole lot from it. Yeah. Uh, um, when, when I did watch it or even it's been a couple of days since I've seen it, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, all in all, you know, I cult joined a cult. That's, <laughs> that, that's the, that's the big story. That's the big story here. Well, and, I was just going to say, I mean, so this was probably maybe the weakest match of the night. And like I said, this was part of the second hour. And that's where I felt like the second hour started coming down a little bit as far as like energy and just as far as maybe entertainment value. And so like, okay, for the sake of their story, yeah, it makes sense. Dark Order get the win. I mean, even uh, was Brody Lee, he, he landed a lariat and had uh Cole Cabana take the pins like here. I knocked the guy out. You take the win here. And he got the pin and he was like tempted to celebrate, but he was unsure because he's looking around and the dark order guys are not, they're not celebrating. They're just standing there. So I'm kind of curious, you know, where, where's Cole Cabana go from here? Does he officially join at some point or does he finally realize, Hey, this is not the right way. I want to win. And eventually, you know, fights back against the, the dark order. Or does he, uh, does he pull a, a DDP, Put on the NWO shirt and hit him with a cutter. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'll be looking forward to that. And yeah, yeah, maybe it leads to an actual Brody Lee versus Cabana uh, rivalry, maybe for uh, All Out that's, or something. Yes, I was just about to say that. That's what you do. Yeah, that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. Uh, I'm unfortunate for SCU. Love those boys. Yeah, I see uh, uh, their photo right behind you on your wall. 
Oh yes, yeah, so the the Starcast collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh wait, no, no, that was a, that was actually from AEW. I mean APW. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, SCU right now at this point in their career, it's okay for them to take the loss. And it was interesting coming out to the ring. Uh, I think it was Excalibur or something announced that Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian moving forward are going to be the tag team, while Scorpio Sky will be their main singles guy from the group. So uh, for me. I was very happy to hear that. I, I see big things from Scorpio Sky long term. I think Scorpio Sky, just with his his personality, his charisma, his athleticism, I think he could be definitely a world champion down the road. So hopefully, maybe in 2021, he could start kind of branching off on his own and maybe start getting a big solos run. Absolutely, man. I, I, I told him this at StarCast. I'm like, bro, you're a star, dude. Like, you are an absolute <laughs> star. He's like, oh, thanks, man. No, but like, I'm, I'm serious, dude. And especially with AEW, I mean, they do, they do uh, need more, uh, more competitors of, of color. Because mm-hmm. if you, you look at WWE, the majority of their champions are black. You know, shout out, sh- right? shout out, shout out to them, making, making that happen for the, <laughs> for, for the culture, for the culture. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I mean, like the, with, uh, I mean, you have, uh, you have, uh, you have Scorpio Sky, and then you, you throw Will Hobbs in the mix and Nyla Rose, you know, so they're starting to incorporate yeah. uh, more diversity. Mix. I mean, yeah. their, their companies are already diverse as hell. Yeah. But I'm oh, talking, yeah, yeah but from, uh, from, from my people's perspective. And <laughs> I think, I, I, I do believe that uh, Scorpio Sky will eventually be the world champion there because the, the guy's, he, he's so talented. He can really just wrestle. Yeah. He can perform high spots when need be. And he's charismatic. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. See what he can do. I, I'm definitely some that's someone else I want to keep my eye on just long term where he goes from from here on out. And uh, last but not least, the uh, the updated last minute main event for night number two of Fighter Fest, as we mentioned, Moxley and Brian Cage got pushed back to the following week for Fight for the Fallen. It was going to be Le Champion Chris Jericho and Santana Ortiz joined him and uh, taking on Orange Cassidy, and he walked out with best friends. He stopped them in their tracks and said, go back. I'm going to do this on my own. And I was actually surprised. <laughs> this, okay. Like, my expectations for this match was I was a little bit low. Just because Orange Cassidy, I'm still on the fence. I'm trying to figure him out as a wrestler. I didn't know much about him before AEW. I never seen him wrestle beforehand. So when I see him showed up and he's like, his his gimmick is this nonchalant, lazy, doesn't care type of wrestler. And, you know, some of these matches, I'm like, okay, I'm waiting for him to pick things up. And then he has these moments where he breaks out and starts doing these big things. Uh, this match, I was impressed to finally see him, like, really take it to a new level. I don't know about you, what you thought of his performance in this whole thing? Well, I'll have to give it the uh, Orange Cassidy approved thumbs up, the... <laughs> yeah, I, I think like uh, his whole style to get to that kind of like Taker when he first debuted. He was slow, didn't really do much, but then he'd hit a big move. You're okay. Like, oh, yeah. So I, I that that's that's what that relates to me. Okay. Um, I thought this was you know probably his best showing. I mean, the the stuff he did with Pocket Revolution was great. Yeah. And this was Jer- This is probably the most agile we've seen Jericho in a long time. Hmm. Yeah, because I was just watching his Saturday night special before we recorded here, and he talked about how you know he was able to perform uh, at that level because outside it was like 115 degrees, and you know he lives in Florida and he works he works out um, in like 100 degree heat, so he was able to 
you know, keep his calm and his pace and uh, just uh, really be able to go. And, I mean, he was quick. He was basically doing all the moves he's done for the past 30 years. So, I mean, it was, it was just really – it was it was fun and it was good, man, and I, li- I really liked it. Interesting. I didn't think about that as far as the warm weather kind of helps him keep him loose and therefore was able to kind of deliver these big spots. But, yeah, Jericho, I, uh, between the two uh, – I mean, Jericho, come on. He, he's a pro. Dude, he's one of the greats. So he knows how to go out there and deliver. And it was interesting dynamic between the two, the chemistry as far as Orange Cassidy. You know, he starts out slow, but then all of a sudden he starts doing these big moves. And I was blown away by some of these big spots. I'm like, dude, this guy could be, you know, if he was ever to change his character, he could be this like high flying, awesome performer to watch. Well, the thing is, he hasn't always done this character. Okay. He, uh, he wrestled in Shikara. Uh, and he used to wrestle under a mask, and he was doing that stuff all the time, man. Oh, see, that's the thing. I don't know about his full backstory, so that's really cool to hear, but I see this. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is amazing when he's, you know, putting the gears in motion and going doing all, all the over-the-top stuff. So that was really fun to see that, and like you said, I think this was his best-worked match as far as doing all these big spots more regularly throughout the match. I enjoy that. Even uh, Santana Ortiz tried to throw orange juice in his face, to distract him. Uh, I know Chris Jericho beforehand said like, this was like one of his favorite matches he's ever wrestled. And Tony Khan said like, this was the greatest main event that he's ever seen or something like that. I don't think so. I think it's just them trying to overhype their show to get eyeballs on it. Cause they knew a lot of people are going to be tuning in for Keith Lee and Adam Cole, but it was still a very fun, entertaining match. But and I give them credit because they knew they they were like the last minute main event replacement. So I'm sure they want to go out there and deliver a big match for everyone. But yeah, as far as like the greatest main event or one of the best ever, no, let's slow down a little bit, right, Philip? Oh no, yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, Jer- Jericho, you know, he said this is one of his favorite matches of his career, and that's probably true. But the best main event, I mean, I think Tony Khan just said that about uh the empty arena brawl that Mox and Hager had, <laughs> you know. I like you want to hype up your promotion. I'm all for that, but yeah. it, it was it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. And when you look up uh, the Chikara stuff, he wrestled under Fire Ant. Fire so, Ant. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm just curious. Like, how long will Orange Cassidy go for? Like this gimmick. Like, I'm just curious. Like, long term, is this something he can run with for a couple years, or does he eventually kind of kind of break off from that and like wrestle a little more seriously? Or does he change the name or does he go away for a while and gets like a makeover? I don't know, like a rebrand. I'm just curious if he has any idea of the timetable of how long he wants to go by this for. Um, I'm not sure how long he's actually been doing this, but it seems to be working. People love it. Yeah. People yeah. dress up as him for Halloween. So hey, just roll, roll with it for as long as you can, bro. And actually, it's something I wanted to ask you was uh, so people – we're kind of listen orange cassidy it's a very polarizing figure i think there's a lot of people who love it and get it and there are a lot of people who don't like it and think it's a waste of time uh i see the entertainment value in it and that's why i for the most part enjoy it but i could see why sometimes some people might be turned off by it because the fact he kind of acts so nonchalant at times i think it kind of ruins kayfabe a little bit as far as He's not trying, and yet, like, he'll bust out some big thing, and it's like, wait, where'd that come from? And you, so I, I can see both sides of the fence on this as far as the criticisms about Orange Cassidy. 
something people were criticizing about this was, if you think about it, so the build for this match was for, what, the last few weeks now? Am I right? I mean, is that safe to say? It was Yeah. But at the same time, NXT has been winning the ratings the last few weeks. So a lot of people are saying as much as Orange Cassidy might be a fan favorite, he's not helping them improve their ratings. So I'm just kind of curious from your perspective, that's something you agree with that when Orange Cassidy has been, quote, in the main event scene as far as storyline talent for the last few weeks, that's when AEW ratings have dropped a bit. And so a lot of people are saying, well, see, that's why you need to push Cassidy back away from that, maybe back more to the mid-card scene or another spot on the show. I don't know. I, I, I would love to kind of hear more people's thoughts about that. But uh, it, it's interesting. I mean, listen, and I, I don't think Orange Cassidy is the main reason why AEW might take a little dip in the ratings and NXT has been improving. I think NXT has had a lot going their way the last few weeks with Adam Cole and the Keith Lee storyline. Uh, I mean, a lot of people have been really excited for that matchup. Also, listen, we're still in the pandemic and a lot of things are going on right now. People's schedules are all over the place and not watching TV regularly and tuning in right away on Wednesday nights. I think there's a lot of factors. So I'm not personally going to put it all on, on Orange Cassidy's fault. Yeah, no. I mean, according to uh, Le Champion, they haven't. NXT hasn't been winning the ratings. If you see his Twitter, his little Twitter rants. <laughs> yes. Um. I mean, look. Yeah. Look, NXT has had a lot going for them. I mean, Sasha Banks is apparently um, up the ratings with her performances on NXT as of late, and like you said, the whole Adam Cole, Bebe, and uh, Keith Lee um, stuff that they've been doing over the last couple of weeks. But I mean, you, you you look at it like neither show was number one. I mean, they're yeah. getting. They're getting beat by what MTV the challenge like <laughs> like what like, like come on let's let's calm down yeah 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 so calm no, down. I, yeah I'm with you like I don't think it's all necessarily Orange Cassidy's fault if there's a dip in the ratings the last few weeks because he's been in the main event storyline scene I, I think there's a lot of moving parts and factors with that so I I still want to see Orange Cassidy do big things with the company so just be curious of long term where is he how's he going to continue with this character. And how long can he ride this for before he begins to change things up eventually in order to kind of keep things fresh as well? No pun intended for fresh orange juice. But. For for freshly squeezed. <laughs> freshly squeezed. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I, I think if we don't see him as often, it'll it'll keep it fresh. Well, also, I think about it. it I think his character works really good in front of a crowd. And unfortunately, there has been no crowd lately to kind of feed off what he does in the ring or he reacts to the crowd. So I I think that's one issue as well. So I, I don't know. It will be, we'll be yet to see what happens next. And, you know, of course I want to see a crowd in attendance again for these shows, but listen, I know all these companies are trying to do their best, put it on entertaining wrestling matches despite no crowd there. So it'll be interesting to see, but uh, but yeah, no, overall, it's still, I thought I enjoyed the match for what it was very competitive. And I think they did as best they could in that spot that they were put in. So, uh, jumping ahead real quick, uh, Philip. So this Wednesday night is going to be fight for the fallen. It's going to be, uh, the second annual version of the, that they did it last year as well. And it's cool. They're going to be help raising money for, um, 
Uh, last year was for gun violence. This year's helped to uh, raise money for COVID-19 relief. And uh, yeah, they have four matches announced already. So it's already kind of a stacked card. So let's quickly run down it real quick. Uh, we have the Elite, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson taking on Jurassic Express. Uh, thoughts on who might win this one? The Elite. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it has to be. Has bro, to be. bro um, what, what is it? What is it? Uh... Kenny Omega is going to V-trigger Marco Stunt's head off. <laughs> well, I wonder if uh, Hangman Page is going to get involved somehow. Would he be ringside supporting them? Maybe on commentary. Drinking so, a beer. Yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. So I would love to see him and what his role is going to be with this match. Uh, also, we see FTR taking on the Lucha Brothers. So this is a matchup I think a lot of people are excited to see ever since FTR was announced that they signed with the company. Because think about it. FTR... With them coming to AEW, all this new fresh matchups for them to uh, take on that they haven't had a chance to take on before because of all their years in WWE. So for this match, they on Lucha Buzz. This is, I mean, low-key might be the match I'm most excited for. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be a, a precursor and a predecessor to when they finally get in the ring with the Young Bucks. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's sort of a similar style. I mean, the, the Young Bucks, they can't do the Lucha style. I mean, that's how they... They trained for the Escalera de la Morte, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Ba- back in back in August. So it, it, it it's it's going to be fun, and I'm excited. I mean, it's just like I said, two um, two different styles of teams. One team they're very high flying; they do a lot of spots. Uh, FTR man, they're straight shooters, man. They remind me so much of Tully and Arn. Yep. Yeah, so they're doing a, uh this week. They did uh, the pile driver right, or into the uh, in the corner. Yeah, then you know Scott Dawson when they wrestled. I mean, not Scott Dax Harwood. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, when they wrestled SCU a few weeks ago, you know he did the slingshot suplex and threw up the four. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, dude. Let's let's get into <laughs> it, man. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, no, I'm really looking forward to that match. And then also Cody bringing back the open challenge for the TNT Championship. And initially it said just open challenge, and then I think the next day it was announced that Sonny Kiss is going to take on him. So. I anticipate Cody getting a win here. No offense to Sonny Kiss, but yeah, Cody, I just think it's going to be a pretty quick, easy victory for him. How about you? Uh, yeah, it's going to be nice. I think Sonny Kiss will have a very nice showing. Yes. Because uh, of the stuff he does in the ring, it kind of reminds me of uh, what Goldust used to do to like Razor Ramon back in like 95, <laughs> 96. Just kind of rubbing and gyrating on him. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that stuff's going to go down, but uh, it does. Uh, he, like I said, he'll have a very nice showing. I know there there are some people who have been very fond of Sonny Kiss, and he hasn't really done much at all this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this will be a nice uh, outing for him, but I don't think he's going to get the job done. Yeah, Cody, so, keep, Cody keeps the title. Yeah, I was going to say, this is going to be a good opportunity for Sonny Kiss to get some uh, eyeballs on him because, I mean, he does have his history with Lucha Underground. But, yeah, since joining AEW, he hasn't had much screen time. He's been doing a lot of stuff on AEW Dark and – this new partnership with Joey Janela. So hopefully this is the beginning of maybe Sonny Kiss starting to get some some more reps on uh, on Dynamite for future shows. And last but not least, as we mentioned, champion, AEW world champion John Moxley taking on Brian Cage, the current, the returning FTW champion, and Taz is going to be in this corner. So I think you kind of uh, 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 mentioned it earlier, but I think you and I both agree Moxley's going to get the victory here, right? Yeah, yeah, it's. It, I mean, my my brain's telling me Mox, but my heart, my heart says, uh, my heart says Cage, man, <laughs> double champion walking out there, just to Absolutely. copy what NXT did last week with uh, Shadow Keith Lee 
Hey, that would have been that would have been hilarious if like the match had taken place, <laughs> yeah, like on time, and then he awarded him with that. Be like, yeah, who's double champ now? Who's double champ now? And they're both double champs in the same night. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. But yeah, I, I see like Cage just got this new mock champion. Like I don't see him winning another one right away. So I think Moxley retains, and I think it just kind of adds to. Uh, John Moxley's current title reign as far as just beating all these big uh, competitors coming his way. But real quick, I'm just curious, how would you uh, summarize John Moxley's current title reign so far in AEW? I mean, it's been kind of simple. I mean, he had the big win against Jericho. He had the okay match with Hager. Okay, a pretty good uh, hard-hitting match with Brody Lee. Um, and then because of the pandemic, he hasn't been on as much. But... It, it, he's been getting victories so far, so I mean that's one way of looking at it, right? Have you noticed the world kind of went to the went to the the its once uh, Jericho lost the title? <laughs> that's a sign. Jericho is <laughs> the champion back. Absolutely, I need Le Champion back for real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean it's it's been okay. I mean you could kind of say the same thing about the WWE title run. Like it was it was it was there. You know. Yeah. I mean he's still the champion now, and I feel like you know once. He's there on a regular basis again, and we start to get crowds back. That you know, it's going to be amped up, and I think the second half will be better than what we're we're seeing now. Yeah, well, I, I just think hopefully with Brian Cage, if he gets this loss here, very similar to what I was talking about with Lance Archer. Lance Archer took the loss against Cody for the TNT Championship. That Brian Cage. Once he loses here, maybe he's off TV for a couple weeks. When he comes back, he comes back in a roaring fashion, rebuild him up as a monster. Because he's been built tremendously tough, just killing guys in the ring since he's uh, made his debut with the company a couple months ago. So, Brian Cage, when you got these big monsters who come in, Lance Archer, Brian Cage, you know, you see them win right out of the gates, and then their first big match opportunity, they lose. I know some people get critical and hate that, because it's like, you build this guy up just to lose eventually down the road. Well, you also got these baby faces you're trying to put over as well and for their title reign. So it's always a catch-22. You can't please everyone when it comes to wrestling. But with Brian Cage, I can see him easily take a loss here. It's not going to hurt him. And you just rebuild him back up. And who knows? Maybe he gets, a, maybe he gets into a rivalry with Cody. Or, or he just maybe eventually defends the FTW Championship regularly at future pay-per-views. Who knows? But I think Brian Cage will get the loss here. It's not going to be the end of the world. And then they can just rebuild him and just establish him as a badass. So it's going to be a very fun week next week. Once again, for AEW, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, let's go ahead, Philip. Let's go home for the night. Another long-winded episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Philip, where can people find you online? Uh, well, I'll plug BulletCast again. Uh, the BulletCast on Instagram, uh, BulletCast on Twitter, BulletCast on Facebook, even though we're not really uh, very active on that. If you want to follow me personally, uh, at Heel Antwine, Heel, H-E-E-L, and Antwine, A-N-T-W-I-N-E. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Don't try and find me. That's just creepy. Also, let me plug Complex Conversations. It's another podcast I do. That podcast, talk about whatever, what's going on in the world, politics, uh, social injustices, whatever I feel like. So Complex, C-O-M-P-L-E-X-X. That's two X's, not three. Three is something completely different. Uh, and <laughs> conversations also you know we're on anchor both podcasts are in it mm-hmm. and because of anchor we're spread all across all across the podcast mm-hmm. globe 
Yeah. Uh, if you want to start a podcast, guys, use Anchor. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely great. I know. Thank you for uh, the recommendation. That's what In the Clicks on now. I love it. It's very easy to use. Absolutely. And I will. I will lastly say this: Diamonds <laughs> are forever, and so is the microphone, Messiah. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> and I'm Baby Huey. Follow me on Facebook at Baby Huey Official. You can look for me there. Hit that like button. Very easy to do. Also, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at babyhuey83. And for everything in the click related, at in the click, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Also, YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Also, if you want to email us anytime, in the click at gmail.com. That's K L I Q. And I'm trying to think anywhere else. Yeah, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Like Philip said, because of uh, Anchor, it's all over the place. So if we're if we're on a platform that you like to listen to, but we're not there, please let me know and we'll get the ball rolling. But I think it's safe to say pretty much everyone uses either Apple Podcasts or Spotify at this point. But yeah, we're all there. So please uh, rate and uh, leave a comment for us. That always helps. Just helps spread the word. And yeah, please share the podcast with all your fellow wrestling family and friends out there. We love the support. And yeah, please uh, follow us. Uh, hit us up with questions, comments, any recommendations for us to get into. We always love the support. On that note, let's go ahead and call it a night. And that's the bottom line. Because Huey said so.